And welcome back to another edition of City View with Mayor Tom Koch, a podcast, Quincy podcast. This is uh, Mayor Koch's podcast, which we put out from time to time. We were doing a lot last year, Mayor, but uh, but not so much lately. But we've had we've been on the video every single week. I mean, for the last year, you know. Yeah, trying to get the message out, trying to get facts out, the information out, so people can uh, see what's going on. It's never one thing. It's always doing it ten different ways. You never can do just one. One way of communicating anymore. Uh, you know, was, when we grew up in the old days, I mean, I had a paper out. Uh, just about every house took the ledger. You know, in the old days, it was the yeah. newspaper. That was it, you know. Right. But now there's a lot of other other ways to get the word out. Well, yeah. welcome back to your podcast. I'm Mark Carey, his media director, folks. And I was uh, I was away the last couple of days. I heard uh, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> talk about a press conference the congressman was in. Let's talk about that, Mayor. You were away for a couple of days? I <laughs> That's what Chris Walker said to me earlier. He goes, I'm sorry. Were you gone? See, folks, this is what I get every day. Yes. Uh, Congressman Lynch uh, reached out at the end of last week, wanted to come in and make some announcements uh, in relation to the federal money. As you may recall, he announced uh, a few weeks back, uh, maybe three or four weeks ago, maybe longer. I don't know. You know, for a while, they had, this last year was like, it was dragging, but like the last six, eight weeks are just flying by. You know? I know. So, so I may be confusing the time a little bit, but it was about a month ago, I guess. And he announced the $46 million infusion of ARP monies from the federal government uh, in relation to all of the recovery going across the country with the pandemic. So yesterday uh, he was in town to announce a $10.6 million grant to Quincy College from the federal money. There's a number of colleges around the state. Uh, UMass Boston, a number of them are getting uh, these infusions of dollars from the federal government to help offset some of the challenges that they have had. So, no, it was, it was great uh, at the press conference, I should say, uh, and it was the Congressman Lynch's press conference. He came in town to make this announcement. Council President Neil Liang was with us. Um, Finance Chair Dave McCarthy was with us. The Council from Ward 1 and Tacky Chan, State Representative, was with us. And a number of uh, faculty, staff members at Quincy College and folks uh, of interest. Uh, so it was, first of all, I thank the congressman for his continued, you know, he's a, he's a true partner. He's a champion for his yeah. district. So I appreciate however you feel about how the federal government is dealing with these, these issues and spending money. Obviously, we're going to fight for our fair share of things. And I have a true partner in that in Steve Lynch. The congressman's been amazing on these issues. So we don't always say I did I and everything, but he's been uh, really terrific. Right through the whole pandemic, yeah. as you know, he's been in here checking in, he calls on a regular basis, what's happening, uh, what do you need, how can I help, you know, that kind of a thing. He's sincere, he's, he's real, and he's here quite a bit. So let me first thank him. So half of that college money is directed toward financial aid, toward students. The other half goes directly to the college. So what I did yesterday was announce that we would uh, ask the Board of Governors to use the other half, not the financial aid piece, but the other half toward the purchase of the Monroe Building, which is the building next to City Hall across from where the college is now at President's Place. And then we would use a, a portion of the ARP money, the $46 million, also to the purchase of this building. Now, as you know, Mark, we, uh, I put an appropriation before the city council, and then we withdrew that request. There were questions and concerns and issues that we were working our way through. But the, as the guidelines became clearer, from the Department of Treasury, from the federal government, because when the $46 million was announced, the only thing that was definite was you could use it to backfill lost revenue. 
After that, there was going to be guidance coming, guidance coming, guidance right, coming. Right. And every week, something else kind of come out. Uh, the two clear things that happened out of the box was you can use it for uh, revenue shortfalls. And a good example of it is our hotel tax is way off, mm. way off because yeah. of the pandemic. Mm. You can't use it to lower taxes or offset your taxes. So those were the two things out of the box that were clear. So after that, it was, okay, let's see what the guidance says. So further guidance shows you can use it for rebuilding water and sewer lines, for example. You can use it on tourism. You can use it for education. You can use it for economic development. So there's a number of categories now that um, what we had proposed to the council checks the boxes for this federal money. So, you know, one of the reasons we've been successful on the entire downtown development is the city of Quincy owned a lot of land in the downtown. If you go back 75 years, 100 years, the downtown was all houses. Downtown wasn't there with the exception of a few buildings. And over time, the various uh, town councils, city councils, mayors, city managers, whatever form of government at the time, they made decisions to purchase property. They bought houses, they expanded the downtown, they created parking lots, they uh, brought new businesses in. So if they had not done that in those days, you know, where would we be in the downtown? Right. I often say when we're making these decisions, these are 50 to 100-year decisions. And I'm referring to decisions that were made 50 to 100 years ago that made the downtown and today, we're, we're such a vibrant, transformative downtown, but if not for those tracts of land we own, we wouldn't have the success we do. Right. So back to the issue at hand. I, I had had to propose to the council, and I know there was a reservation to use uh, city tax dollars for the college. It's a regional institution. It is Quincy College. It is a city department. And um, I believe in the college. I really do. I think it has a great value um, and it is a really niche place for a lot of young people and older people that come back to go to school that may otherwise not further their education. So I think it it has a sweet spot there uh, in this society. I also think in these times that we're living in, that the stats speaks for themselves. There's 47% people of color that go to that college. There's two-thirds of the students who are on financial aid at that college. So clearly it's a true community college, but it's it's really morphed and involved, evolved into something more than that an economic know. impact in the in the downtown and Quincy overall absolutely I mean we had a we had a study done and I know um, you know it was dismissed by a couple of people but uh, dr. Goodman is well-known economist out of UMass Dartmouth then I think he's he's taken on a different position now very well respected in the industry we talked about it being a I think it's a 50 million dollar economic value to that college in so many ways and in addition to that though and, and we could talk about that in great detail and lay that out. And we will in the coming days and the coming weeks and months as we continue to pursue this endeavor. But uh, the college also brings vitality and vibrancy to a downtown that many, many communities would love to have a college in the downtown to add to that vitality, as I, as I say. So at any rate, so, you know, we, we did make the announcement the other day, and I know I've talked to a number of councils. They're very comfortable with it because we're using federal dollars that are allowed under that program. And as the guidance came out. Uh, The mayors are allowed to spend the money. Uh, It's discretionary funding. I don't need to go what the normal routine would be of going to the city council to get permission because it's not city taxpayer money. It's uh, federal money um, that's derived through other federal taxes, but the city council has no role in overseeing those. So federal government and the guidance suggests that the cities can can spend it without the normal appropriation process. So Mm -hmm. 
So I think those further guidance allowed us to continue to proceed. Um, here's the thing, right? I know I've talked a lot about the college and the importance of the college. And I believe that the college needs a permanent home to truly succeed in the long term. They can't be, be nomads and bouncing around based on leases and RFPs on a lease and the uh, landlord may not want you know, to have them. Maybe they get another tenant they'd rather have. Where do you find 100,000 square feet near the MBTA station? So, you know, the city is, is getting built out. That's number one. Number two is the Quincy Center Station, we're working on a master plan with the MBTA, uh, with developers, on what's going to happen around it, over it, above it. As, you know, we've seen in the North Quincy development on the North Quincy T Station, the MBTA is getting very aggressive to put the land around the stations to use. Mm. We have a, I know that some people think, oh, there may be too much development, but the reality is the Boston region, we're part of that region, there's a great shortage of housing units. And if we want to continue to grow and be a a real player in the economy for this region, we need to address the housing shortages. So also when you add housing units in the market, it also helps to stabilize prices because prices are going crazy. So you can talk about affordable housing, what does that mean? You know, not just subsidized units, but units that the marketplace stabilizes based on more units. So, uh, but anyway, so this, this piece of property is vital to have control of. So over the next year, we'll be able to come up with a plan, a master plan for the entire site, which shall include, in my opinion, a Quincy College facility of some sort. And we'll, we'll have a number of meetings on it. There'll be a number of various folks involved in it. Uh, we'll go back to the council at some point. Uh, get further input, address some of the questions they may have along the way, and continue to make sure that this college has a future. And by the way, you know, it is Quincy College. It is the Department of the City. It has separate governance with the Board of Governors, as it should. Uh, Crediting and agencies would not allow it to go forward if it was just the normal process right. of council, school committee, yeah. and mayor. It just would not look right. seriously at it. But, uh, but the reality is, the flip side is, if the college closed tomorrow the significant debt that the city would inherit. So the outstanding liability on the pension, the leases that are held by the college, it's, that's all backed up by the city of Quincy. So that, those are real issues. I know some have suggested the, the state look at taking Quincy College, and what would they take? You know, the reality is we don't have a building, an asset that they would, they would be looking for. So they'd be taking the liability on, and uh, I don't know that that would ever happen, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. And some would argue, and I know Speaker Mariano spoke a little bit about this, that Quincy College actually in better shape than many of the other community colleges around the state. So I don't see that as an option. I think that we can continue to grow the college, continue to work with uh, workforce development, continue to work with local corporate citizens to train come up with programs, much like the biotech program that's over there, to train young people, whatever the age of the person is, so they can come out with something and go right into a job. There's certain specific training that certain businesses are looking for. Mm. The college can adjust to those things very easily. So anyway, I thank the congressman again for his work, his incredible work, actually, on behalf of the district of, that he represents, but most specifically to the city of Quincy. So now we'll move forward on purchasing the property. We'll secure it. And then we'll do a very well-planned master plan. I should remind people that the downtown is extremely hot right now. We have outside investors coming in purchasing properties. And uh, I'd hate to see this go by the boards. And uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a great location for the college and or commercial development. I 
I don't know that I'd want to see residential on that site, mm. and that could happen very easily if we don't if we don't tie this site up. So I think I think we're going the right direction with it all. And like yeah. you've said, this is a long process, and this is just the beginning. And there's lots of opportunities for discussions and debates on how this will all work and be played out. And that's why I like this format of podcasting, so you can kind of lay it out and and talk it through all the way through, and and uh, you know let the folks out there. Share this, folks, if you're listening to this from Facebook or whatever, because there's a lot of people that make a pastime or career even out of disagreeing with you. So I think this is a good thing to share with folks that kind of you can really explain what's happening and always call the mayor's office at 617-376-1990 if you want to ask questions in lieu of a Facebook post. But you're welcome to do that, too. Oh, anytime, anytime. I mean, here's the reality, right? We're, We're making policy decisions every day. And that doesn't mean that we're going to have buy-in from everybody on those policy decisions. That's that's just the way life is, right? Yeah. I mean, you you look at the debates at the Con- uh, Continental Congress, right? Going way back when. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the debates and discussions and heated arguments and, <laughs> uh, and here we are today. And then that's part of democracy. That's part of the process. So that's okay. The only thing that I, I you know, get concerned about is... Is the is the part of the correct information? Yeah, uh, we can always disagree on policy, but facts are facts, and uh, you know as long as we're debating on those facts, arguing on those facts, that's okay. That's okay. But that's right. People aren't um, entitled to make up their own facts, you know. So we should. Uh, what is truth? So well, <laughs> let's go down that road, right? <laughs> John Adams that. once said, "Those <laughs> facts are stubborn things." It is. That's right. They are. So, you know, a lot has been happening here. Not We're going to shift gears a little bit. I mean, we will get into a full show on the budget. It's before the city council now. Correct. And uh, But let's talk about pension obligation bonds a little bit because people just sort of turn off when you say those words. But how important that is for the future of the city and the finances of the city. Sure. And I know that's a very scary number. When people see $475 million, it's like gulp. Uh, and I get that, you know, yeah, sure. uh, no question about it. But we have, um, like every other city in town, counties, state government, they have a retirement system. We have a retirement system. It's run independently. For example, the, the city auditor, which is appointed by the city council, is on the retirement board ex officio because of her position. Then there are two members that are elected to the board by the uh, retirees and mm-hmm. active members who pay into it. And then there is an appointment by the mayor. And then those four appoints, uh, those four board members then appoint another person, creating the fifth member. So it's a five-member board, mm-hmm. and you know, so they operate under PARAC, under state law, on what they, how they handle things, and so forth. And under the state law, our retirement system has till two thousand thirty-seven to fully fund the system. In other words, if everybody retired today, which is never going to happen, there would not be enough money for everyone to get a paycheck. Mm. That's that's basically what it means, and I would, it's more complicated than that. But yeah. I'm just trying to make people uh, connect the dots here. So, the retirement system has a unfunded liability that's going to be dealt with going forward. So each and every year, if you look at the schedule currently, a bill from from the retirement board to the city goes up dramatically. So, for example, this July, it'd be going up above four million dollars. Wow! Um, this one year, and if you go forward and look at the numbers, it continues to go up pretty dramatically in the coming years. Now, at some point, the state may adjust the schedule again and put it back further, going out further. It's, that's been done in the past because it's such a burden on cities and towns. No one's ever missed the paycheck on the retirement system. That's, I think that's important to say. But uh, back in 2006, uh, City Council at Lodge John Keenan was finance chairman. And he convinced the city council at the time in a home rule petition 
And I think Mayor, um, Mayor McCulley was a counselor then. And there was a lot of discussion about it, but said, look, we should pass this legislation so that if the time ever comes where it makes sense to bond the unfunded liability, the legislation will be in place. So the council did that then. We now, over the last six months, seven months, eight months, have been looking at this issue in great depth and a lot of study on it, a lot of work on it, talk with a lot of experts on this. What makes it work is the low interest rates that are out there, historically low. So we essentially fully fund the system with a bond, and then we pay debt service on that bond each year, which is far lower than what our bill would have been from the retirement board. So it's much like you know refinancing your house at a much lower rate and your monthly payment goes down. Yeah, That's essentially what we're doing here. It, it makes perfect sense. Now, some have said, what if, what if, what if? You know, well, we could do that all day long, right? But if, 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 if it hits the fan, we're going to have a problem anyway because yeah. whatever number we're paying it would go up. So I, I think when you compare it apples to apples, it makes perfect sense to do this at this time because of the historic low interest rates. Now, from the outside experts and rating agencies and financial advisors, either case, it's a debt. This is an unfunded liability we owe. Yeah. Now, we, we, we put the debt out for it and we get a bond. You know, so it's debt on our books, but it's debt either way in a sense. You right. know, it's a liability on this side, it's a debt on this side. So as far as the experts looking at it, it's kind of a wash because we get in, in the outside reports each year, we get dinged up that you have this unfunded liability you got to deal with. Well, we're dealing with it. Well, now you have too much debt. <laughs> well, which way do you want it? So, <laughs> so it's kind of a wash yeah. in a sense from looking at it from the financial experts. However, it makes so much sense. Because essentially dropping by the millions. How, that's amazing. You know, by the yeah. millions. So the first year you save significantly more, but each year after that, it's you know it's in that nine ten million dollar range. Wow. Each year that it's a savings. Now it's a savings from what you would have been paying. You know, so it's it's you know, and that's got to be clear to people too. Again, getting the information out. So instead of paying X amount July first going up dramatically, we're paying far less July first. Because we've bonded this, we've taken advantage of the low interest rate. So it's uh, it's a good program. I know it's before the city council now, and uh, they'll certainly continue to debate it, and uh, we'll continue to follow that and provide all the information they need so that they can make a, a decision one way or the other whether they support it. Again, I wouldn't put it before them if I didn't think it was important, if I didn't think it was the right thing to do for the city of Quincy, and think it is. So I, I you know, uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see a vote in the coming weeks with the city council and continue to move forward. Just curious, is this a practice that you see in other cities and towns? It's it's happening in some other places. Uh, actually, Worcester did it years ago. Brockton did it years ago. Brockton's doing it again. States have doing have done it. Are doing it. Uh, there's other cities and uh, towns. I know Andover's looking at it. As I said, Brockton's looking at it again. State of Arizona's doing it. Plymouth County's looking at it. So oh, wow. it's happening quite a bit. Uh, again, what's driving this discussion? And the initiative is the historically low interest rates. Course, that's, what, yeah. that's, what, that's what's making it work. So uh, hopefully we'll take advantage of that. It brings us great stability in the budget going forward. And uh, again, I thank the city council for uh, taking a good look at this and uh, look forward to continue to work with them. That's great. So thank you for sharing that, Mayor. Uh, let us switch to the really exciting news before we get to talk a little bit about Memorial Day. And let's talk about... The fact that the 29th, today is the 28th, so tomorrow, or whenever you hear this, last Saturday, <laughs> or Saturday, or today, whenever, we can take our masks off. 
Imagine that. Imagine that. I, I can't, yeah. actually. Uh, actually, tomorrow, I think, is JFK's birthday as well, the 29th. Is it really? Uh, My um, birthday's in five days, six days. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah, I'll be 39 again. Oh. Who really cares about your birthday? You put yourself in the <laughs> you, category JFK? You didn't, even notice, you didn't even notice I was here. I wasn't here the last couple of days. I have noticed your hair is thinning, so it has to do with Chris, Chris, Chris Amola said to me, hey, you got 100 hairs up there doing the work of thousands. <laughs> That's a good line. He yeah. should know. Yeah. <laughs> but look at it's been a long 14, 15 months, long time. People of the city, I can't say enough about working together to get through this. You know, I, I've talked about the public employees, the public, you know, man at health, um, the businesses, everyone coming together to get through it. And we've gotten through it pretty well as a community. So congratulations, everybody. But I think everybody's ready. Everybody's had it. The weather's turning. Oh, the weekend looks kind of rough, uh, but the weather's going in the right direction. So uh, this is... We're all ready. We're all ready for this. <laughs> yes, and, we are. Uh, let's move on. Let's get back yeah. to life, right? I think it's a good time to sort of take a look back. And after all the work that's been done by everybody, I mean, from the from this, every citizen in Quincy from doing the right thing, that's why our numbers are so low right now, or zero every day. Right. Zero or one, we only have maybe a few cases left in the whole city that are active. But I think that's just a time to sort of reflect now on all the work that's been done by so many. It indeed, really is an indeed, time. and and that we could do a whole half hour and just talk about each of those individuals yeah. because it it was a team effort. It was people coming together. Not, um, you know, I you know I had some disagreements with some of my colleagues at the state level that you know just out to knock the governor. I mean this this was a, this was a crisis. This was a pandemic that you know the country hadn't seen since what the nineteen eighteen seventeen in that yeah. range. Spanish flu, uh, the yeah. Spanish flu. So this was remarkable. The governor I thought did a marvelous job uh, leading us through it. Obviously, we can have disagreements. Back to that issue and policy stuff, people can disagree on, on how we approach it. But, you know, we're going in the right direction. We're, we're nearly out of this thing. Yeah. Congratulations, Quincy. Let us move on. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, we'll talk about that later and the reflections on it. But uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, so we're. I don't think people care about the weather. I think it's going to be the roaring 20s maybe again <laughs> after this is over, but uh, maybe hopefully not like that. But let's talk a little bit about what this weekend is about, especially on Monday. Well, certainly, uh, we'll be at Mount Wallison uh, Sunday, yes. I think, 1030, yes. uh, at the podium there, which is uh, the backdrop of that is the World War II Memorial. But all around it are a number of monuments to all of the various wars and conflicts uh, that this country has, has dealt with. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no Revolutionary War veterans there. They would, if there's some of those, it would be, it would be in the Hancock, because I yeah. know yeah. we had a lot of uh, men that served in the Revolutionary War back at that time. However, um, we'll be there Sunday to honor those that have gone before us. I mean, this really started uh, with uh, Abraham Lincoln after the Civil War, uh, recognizing the contributions. Remember those, those men that died in battle uh, to keep the Union, to preserve the Union, and at that time to try to put an end to slavery. So... That's how it started, but we've had a number of wars and conflicts since. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, I, I've got uh, an uncle, he was a Korean War veteran up at Mount Wollaston who um, died essentially from wounds from the war. And my brother Joe is a Vietnam era veteran. He's, he's at Mount Wollaston. And, and I know Memorial Day has become a day for families to remember their loved ones that have gone before them. Mm. It clearly is a day specific to those that died in preserving uh, this country, defending this country, preserving the peace, I should say. But it, it certainly has gone beyond that. There's people that, uh, they say that 85% of visitation to loved ones in cemeteries happens within a week of Memorial Day. 
Uh, wow. So that's uh, pretty remarkable. So cemeteries are pretty busy this time of year with people going in and planting and so forth. So so Monday we'll be doing it. There's no parade this year because when this was booked, it was it was iffy still on the yeah. back to the numbers. But um, so we'll, we'll be there. And I know there's, uh, there's, you know, programs all across the state. Uh, the schools usually do some things too that we'll probably get back in the swing of it next year. But certainly Sunday we'll be putting that flag up to full staff at Mount Wollaston and remembering all those uh, that really made this country, defended this country, as well as of our, our own loved ones who have gone before us. Thank you, Mayor. Another uh, podcast in the books, and we have a lot to talk about coming in the future, in the coming weeks. So we'll be back doing the podcast, doing more videos. Thank goodness we're not doing so many on COVID. We'll probably be putting the word out maybe once a week for a while now instead of putting it out every day on Facebook and Twitter where we have been, but because there aren't any cases anymore. So that's a great thing. It is a good thing. Let's celebrate Happy Memorial that. Day, everybody. Take care, everyone. <laughs>